Hello, everybody, and an early Merry Christmas to all our listeners, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour as the Philadelphia Eagles, winners of four of their last five, to go from three and six to now seven and seven, and on the brink of of a playoff spot. I'm your host, LG Harrell, and joining me as always is my co-host, Connor. Connor, the game didn't start out all that well on, on Tuesday night, but the Eagles were able to get that win, and... You know, if, if they continue playing the way they're playing, they should definitely have a playoff spot by the end of the year. Absolutely, man. All important W as always. Big loss last night by San Francisco. That definitely helps uh, the Eagles. I mean, I posted on Twitter a couple days ago uh, on the Kelly Green Hour Twitter at Kelly Green Hour the, uh, that there was a scenario that makes it so week 18 is not important, which I would absolutely love. And that is the Saints and the Vikings both only win in one of two, and the Eagles win in both, and we're in. So I would rather not stress over week 18. I would rather not have to think about that. Um, so uh, hopefully we get these next two Ws and we get a little bit of help from maybe the Miami Dolphins. I, the Saints have it a bit easier. I think they had, I can't well, remember they what also, I posted. Their, their entire quarterback room is also in, on COVID. So the Ian this Book is, is true. This is Monday. This against, is true. against a hot Miami team, by the way. Exactly. And, but I mean, you got to remember when you say hot Miami team, that the five teams they've beat in the last five weeks are well, well, well below 500 in a combined record. None of them were even above 500 when they faced Miami. So let's pump the brakes and see what happens. But hey, I want get, all the help. Wins, it, when you get wins, it builds confidence, regardless of who you're playing. Absolutely. We know it best in Philadelphia. Confidence building wins. Wins, no matter how you get them, really help. And and this week definitely helped despite the way things started out and despite the way we may all feel as we're going to dive into about Jonathan Gannon. The team finds a way to win despite their coaches seemingly periodically not really wanting to win or seeming to want to win. So let's dive into it, man. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you mentioned the Vikings, too. Their next two games are tough against L.A. and Green Bay. So uh, the chances L.A. Rams. Yeah, the L.A. Rams and the Green Bay Packers. So um, there's going to be a couple of tough games for the Vikings. So the idea, the idea of beat the prospect of being able to rest. Our players in and week not 18 to beat the Dallas Cowboys on, in week is 18? that is huge. I mean, Dallas is in too, so they're going to be resting. It will be a horrendous game to watch if this scenario plays out, but I'm all for it. Hundred well, percent. So that yeah, what we would need is is Green Bay to keep winning so that Green Bay clinches the number one seed. And then you know when it comes to Dallas, it could be do they want to play us in round one of the playoffs? Like. Depending on how things shake out, if they get the two seed and we get the seven seed, or they get the three seed and we somehow jump up and get the six seed, we would be playing Dallas in back-to-back weeks. So it could come down to like if Dallas wants to play the Eagles, you know, they think that the Eagles are a better matchup for them in round one of the playoffs. But again, we're not going to look 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 ahead to a, you, a potential. I, I really matchup. feel like you just never want to face a divisional rival in a playoff matchup, no matter whether you're the one in the, you're the two in the seven or whatever the, the difference you are from a rank, from a, uh, how you got in perspective, mm-hmm. you just never want to be that team that ends up in that scenario. Oh no. But, and especially if, if, if you've already beaten the team twice, it's tough to beat them three times in a year. So that'll, that'll be interesting to see how things play out as we go forward. 
Um, but Agreed. We, Before but, we go forward, yeah. though, let me quickly shout out the Fight Philly Fight Network. I meant to do that uh, at FPF Network on Twitter, Fight Philly Fight uh, Network dot com uh, for all the uh, the articles and the podcasts that are coming out from them. And of course, our sponsors over at BetUS. Uh, check them out, BetUS.com. And when you sign up, make sure you tell them the Kelly Green Hour sent you by using the promo code FPF Network, um, and you will get a 125% sign-in bonus. Definitely take advantage of that. All right, so the Philadelphia Eagles defeated the Washington football team 27-17 on Tuesday night. At the end of the first quarter, it was 10-0, and I had messaged you, this is why I was worried. Because uh, when we recorded last week, I talked about um, it being a close game. I think I said it was going to be like 24-21 or something like that. And obviously the 10-point differential, um, you know, you, you, were, you were closer in, in terms of that. But I was worried going into that game because, you know, Garrett Gilbert, while he's not a great quarterback, Jonathan Gannon doesn't – used his advantages he doesn't get after the quarterback doesn't blitz him and he didn't do that in the first quarter now it doesn't help that uh dallas goddard dropped the pass that was that hit off of his heel it was a fluke play that that was intercepted and gave washington a short field and then jalen hurts fumbled and you know when nick sirianni who we're going to talk about too as he's in covid protocols um when nick sirianni got after jalen hurts um that was good to see. You know, there are players in whether it's in this town or in other towns that if you get after them, you try to coach them hard. They don't respond well. And being that Jalen Hurts is a coach's kid and he played under Nick Saban, and if there's any fiery of a coach or a coach that's gonna that's gonna get after you more than Nick Saban, I haven't met him yet. Maybe Bill Belichick. Um, but you know, he took it, and he after that. Jalen Hurst played probably his best game as an Eagle, as a starter. It was a, it was a great great game by him. Um, now look, Washington's defense had nine of their eleven starters, so we can't say well you were they were just playing a, a team that didn't have anybody. No, that was the offensive side of the ball. That Washington's defense, yeah, you know Collins got hurt, um, uh, Jackson got hurt. Yeah, they got hurt within the game, but that was a Nine, like I said, nine of 11 starters on that Washington defense that the Eagles put up over 200 yards rushing. Um, Hertz had over 290 yards passing. Best offensive game plan, I think, by Nick Sirianni this year. And that's what we need to see going forward in these, into these final three games of the season as the Eagles look to clinch a playoff berth. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think the only game that I would argue might have been better this year was a season opener against Atlanta because he had a very similar stat line there. Um, Better. This was his best completion percentage since that week. It was actually his only his second game over 70 percent this year. The first one being in week one against Atlanta. And I found they didn't rely on Jalen Hurts's legs as much, which was really I don't think he was 100 percent either. They definitely not, but that's a good thing. I feel like that's a good thing for Nick Sirianni to see that Jalen and for Jalen Hurts to see and to feel that, you know, you don't need to always use your legs. You don't need to lead the rush and attack. 
Jordan Howard did a really good job. Miles Sanders was um, awesome. He had a, a career high for himself mm-hmm. in rushing yards, I think, with 131. He had an incredible game. You don't need to rely on the, your legs. You can hand the ball off if there is the RP, if there is a run in the pass and the option to go with. Um, so I think it was a positive to see, you know, that they, they can do it without his legs. He can do it by being in the pocket. And he looked really good in the pocket. He looked fairly comfortable and he kind of waited until he had to leave the pocket if he did have to vacate the pocket, which was really nice to see. And I know that we get excited over these games because, you know, we like to see progression from Jalen Hurts, but he is coming off, you know, that terrible Giants game. He is coming off a game against New Orleans where he only completed 54% of his passes. We have seen this before, you know, where he's had really good games and then he's put up some stinkers. So there is still a lot to go in the Jalen Hurts development. But this is a step forward, especially in the fact that even if he wasn't 100 percent, the idea that he got comfortable in the pocket, he had a high completion percentage. He was making good throws. He wasn't afraid to take the check down periodically. He made a couple check downs where he let the the pass catcher do the work and the pass catcher like Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders, they did the work and they did a really good job of it. Um, so at the end of the day, I think there was some positive things to take from it. But when Jalen Hurts is 100 percent, are those positives going to stick? Yeah, it's true. I still noticed that he was a tad bit slow with, you know, with his reads. But, you know, as you had mentioned, when you complete 20 of what, 20 of 26, um, passing and um, correct and a three three of them um, excuse me were drops <laughs> one with two drops by um, uh, Dallas Goddard one that was an interception other another one on a screen that he potentially could have taken it to the house because that's how well it was set up um, but yeah and and he kind of forced the ball into to Devontae Smith in the corner of the end zone when he had Kenny Gainwell that was open and ran a little slant. Like that that's stuff that that Jalen Hurts can learn from. And I believe he will learn from. And you mentioned, you know, coming off the worst game of his career against the Giants, potentially the best game of his career against Washington. And now you get to go up against the Giants again and get to prove that that game um that was up in North Jersey was was a fluke. You 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 hope to see him improve. You hope to see him continue to to make progress. And if he can continue to make progress, all these rumors of the Eagles pick, uh, looking to, to use multiple first-round picks to, to replace him at quarterback won't happen. And that's kind of what we wanted coming into the season. The one thing we wanted to see was, is Jalen Hurts the guy? And I think right now, like, I, I, obviously throughout the year, we, we, this, we've answered this question and the question has changed. Probably 17 times. <laughs> Let, let's be real. It, it has changed. And like right now, he is trending in the upwards, upward direction. You know, I actually made it after, um, you know, the first two drives, the interception and then the fumble. I had actually said, if Hertz struggles on this drive and they don't, they're not, if they go three and out, they're not able to get the ball down the field, put points on the board. It may be time to go to Minshew. And he proved me wrong. He, he was able to go down. They were able to get some points on the board. And I think getting points on the board was kind of just like a, a breath of fresh air for this team um, to sh- prove that, look, we can get points on the board and they're not going to be shut out. They can move the ball on this Washington defense. And 
go about doing or going about the game plan. Got to give Sirianni a ton of credit. Not to being down ten, nothing. Not abandoning the run. Um, I think one of the biggest key or one of the biggest plays was they kicked the field goal on. I think it was like fourth and six, fourth and seven, and Washington was off sides. And the way Sirianni has been calling plays, or the way Sirianni has been aggressive, he could have accepted the penalty, took three points off the board, and went for it on fourth down. But he didn't. He, he kept the field goal, kept the points on the board to go from. Uh, I think it was a it was a seven point lead to a ten point lead or something like that to make it a two point uh, two score game, and that was key because and that was smart because if they would have taken the points off the board, went for it on fourth down, and didn't get it, you give Washington all that momentum. So I, I think Sirianni is, deserves a lot of credit just the way that he has progressed this year as well. Not just Jalen Hurts, not just this team, but but Sirianni as a play caller and Sirianni as a head coach. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen in recent weeks the going for fourth on fourth downs and short. Um, They're going for two like Baltimore Ravens, you know, the L.A. Chargers. We've seen those continuously starting to backfire because as much as yes, you do have the analytics and things do point in your direction. It's proof that, you know, that 95 percent odds. That 5% happens. It really does. And it has cost some teams games. It costs the Ravens a game. It costs the Chargers a game or two this season. So it's good to see that, you know, the willingness to take the three points and learn from other people's mistakes and learn from your previous mistakes throughout the season also. So, yeah, I agree with you on that point. It's nice to see you're watching other games. You're seeing what other people are doing. You're seeing your mistakes and you're learning from your mistakes. Because we can't say so much the same for Jonathan Gannon, who continues to, to me, I mean, I don't want to flip to the defensive side of the ball too quickly, but you're playing a guy who's making his second career start, and the pressure was just so, that, this is one of those games where you bring the pressure, bring a fifth man once in a while, bring the sixth man, and then there was that one time where he mixed up the pressure a little bit and put Josh Sweat back in coverage, but he still went with four men again, it's like, that's not pressure. That's just a different look of pressure. It is excruciating to him to send more than four people. And the worst part is you're not making the situation any better by just sending four people because you're always giving up the pass. You're always giving up the play. So the point of having those keeping it just to the front four and sending the linebackers and safeties and everyone back in coverage and stuff and watching the field is to stop the play. But the fact that we're not stopping the play, especially at the start of the game is really frustrating and really excruciating. And there's a major issue beyond Fletcher Cox in this game. There's a major issue in that front four. The fact that Mm -hmm. the pressure is so limited, it's like, Okay, Fletcher Cox had a great game. Probably one of the best games he's had over the last two seasons. I get it. But that happens every week. There's one guy. It's a Javon Hargrave game. It's a Josh Sweat game. It's never really been a Derek Barnett game. So it's been one of those three guys that's always getting the game. Why is it never the unit? Why is there never a full good push from those front four? There really shouldn't be excuses for Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cox, and Javon Hargrave. The only excuse there is, and we've preached it so much, they're really, really missing Brandon Graham. This is really showing the value of Brandon Graham to this offensive or defensive line. And it's really showing the need that defensive edge, despite how good our defensive line looks and sounds on paper, we need to address it again 
because Brandon Graham is not getting any younger, and this injury may potentially slow him down. He will be back next year. He is under contract next year. But still, the question remains, how will this injury affect him? And we got to look towards life after Brandon Graham. But I think the only answer is Brandon Graham means way more to this defensive line than we ever imagined. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I, I'm pretty sure when that injury happened, we, one of us had, had said that, that that had a potential effect going forward. And, um, you know, when you're going up against the fourth string center and a third and fourth string guard um, for, for Washington, like you, you have to be able to win those matchups. You have to and the Eagles always build from the inside out and the line, the most of their money is is devoted to that defensive line. Um, and you're right. Like, I hate when, when a defensive end is told to go out or not told, but like the scheme to go out on coverage that made zero sense earlier in the year. There was a play that Ryan Kerrigan was um, keen to go out on coverage. I forget who it was against, but the, whoever they were facing, whoever the Eagles were facing, they scored a touchdown right over Kerrigan. Like you don't pay your defensive ends to drop back into coverage. You're paying Josh sweat to get after the quarterback, let him get after the quarterback. Um, so yeah, that, that was definitely frustrating to see, um, you know, and, and going back to that jets game, uh, real quick, like the first three jives, I don't know what the heck Gannon was doing. Um, and obviously they did make adjustments that could have just been more of the jets just kind of, kind of, for lack of a better term, shot their load in that first quarter and a half. And then, um, you know, they, their inexperience showed and Gannon was able to take advantage of it. Um, you know, in that Jets game, and that kind of showed, kind of was the same um, in, in the game against Washington. Again, there was a couple of short fields, um, the interception and, and the fumble um, that, that helped Washington put points on the board. Um, like, and, and the thing that really bothered me is some of the predictions about, about the game. Some, like Ruben Frank said 19 nothing. Elliot Shore Parts said like 17 to 3, um, like saying how Washington had no chance. Ross Tucker was the only was one of the few that kind of was giving Washington and Garrett Gilbert some respect in in that, like, that they would be able to move the ball on the Eagles' defense and, and maybe put up some points. And that's kind of – and that's what they did. And and it's unfortunate because, like you said, Garrett Gilbert making his second career start and the Eagles weren't able to slow him down. Like, that can't happen. when You know, you're going to go up against probably Jake Fromm this week. His what well, probably I think his first career start can't allow a guy like that to beat you because when you go up against Washington again in two weeks it's going to be Taylor Heineke he's more experienced uh, and he's going to be able to put the ball in better spots than Garrett Gilbert did and is going to allow his receivers to go after you know to go up and make a play on the football you know McLaren did on that one play against Darius Slay on that long deep pass but that can't you know a better quarterback puts that out there and maybe McLaren runs under it and it's a, and it's a touchdown. So we'll, we'll see what happens when, you know, Taylor Heineke comes back in a couple of weeks, but I guess, you know, it comes down to the Eagles doing their job when they needed to and coming away with the victory. Like you say, it's never bad. You know, a win's a win is a win. And that's what the Eagles were able to do on Tuesday night. Yeah, and I mean, to return to the offensive side of the ball, it was really good to see Jalen Hurts building that connection with Dallas Goddard. It still frustrates me to no end that we cannot get Devontae Smith going. Um, 
I get, you know, he had the really nice toe drag catch there. And he had his three receptions for 40 yards and five targets and stuff. But I just don't feel like that's enough. I just don't feel like the system's doing enough for Devontae Smith. And, I mean, I guess maybe this could be, you know, the fault of the scheme and the run-first approach that we're taking now. And there's only room for one big dog from a receiving standpoint week in and week out. Um, but I mean, you got to figure out ways to get Devontae Smith more involved. Jalen Rager looked good. Like the receiving game looked really good. It's just a shame that, you know, when uh, we may never, we may not see Dallas God and Devontae Smith have huge games together. Like those games that we kind of wished and hoped for, like from the LA Rams who are sustaining three receivers, maybe not this past week, but usually are, resti- are doing really well with three receivers and stuff. Well, but that, that happens when, when you have a run-heavy focused offense, which hmm, the Eagles have. Agreed. The Rams agreed. don't. The Rams don't have that. They're gonna. McVay's gonna throw the ball 40, 50, 40, 45 times a game. The Eagles are trying to limit Jalen Hurts to 25, 30 passes, and if they can run it 40 times for 200 yards, they don't mind winning games like that. Now, is it sustainable going into the playoffs? Probably not, and that's why we mm-hmm. want to see Jalen Hurts be able to throw the football. But right now, it's working for them. And he was still well, man. He like that that dime to Greg Ward and that catch by Greg Ward. You get those flashes every single week, but like you said, you have to limit how often that exposure is because you know if you're throwing 30, 35 times, we've seen it. There's a more higher chance for mistakes than if you're throwing 20 to 25 times. And that makes it so Jalen Hurts looks so much better. And then it's those games where he's thrown 30 times where we're like, oh, man, he's not he's not looking so good. And that's because there's a higher chance for error. But again, shout out to Dallas Goddard on the career week as well, because he had 135 yards receiving, which a week after set in a career high. He sets another or two weeks, I guess. He could have two had weeks two later, he sets he another career two- high. He could have had 200 yards if he didn't drop a couple of passes. And then he deserves a lot of credit for that that catch where Hurts probably shouldn't have threw it down the field. Um, but but you got to give Goddard credit because I don't think Hurts saw the safety. But you got to give uh, Dallas Goddard credit to where when he went up and, and pretty much grabbed it out of the receiver's hands, mossed the receiver, so that, or the, the corner, excuse me, and the safety so that, um, you know, he, he was able to – to, to get that big play, that chunk play that the Eagles passing game has, has sorely been lacking with Jalen Hurts under center. Agreed. It's nice to see him take the shot, but he should also recognize the shot that he's taken. But it's good to put the faith, you know, in your receiver. And at the time, I, he probably thought, oh, that's one-on-one versus some something different than it was. Um, and he probably didn't see it overly great but at the end of the day we want to see him take those shots and we want to see him put some faith in in the receivers that he has out there and it's good to see that he does have faith that Devonta Smith play was a good example the continuing to look to Jalen Reger and Jalen Reger making some nice plays despite that game where he had the two massive drops against the Giants it's good to see him put the faith in people that he can trust which and that was really just that's really nice to see and I hope that that continues to happen and that his he continues to evolve with his receivers because that's a big part of the game that needs to continue to he needs to continue to work on faith in his receivers and you know his vision and and anticipation definitely need to improve and hopefully that will come with working with his receivers as well yeah sticking with the offense the the running game is just outstanding Uh, seven straight games were over 175 yards rushing first time that's happened in the nfl since the 85 bears 
Um, Jason Kelsey making a Pro Bowl again. Like Jeff Stoutland deserves all the credit in the world. And I, I actually tweeted out uh, the day that Jason Kelsey retires is going to be such a sad day in, in Philly sports. He he is such a cog and so important to not only that offensive line room but to the to the city in general and just what he is able to to do for the team and the the type of leader he is. He was 40 yards downfield running stride for stride with Miles Sanders. You don't see a center do that often, and he did that. And it, it just that was an incredible his athlete, play. His athletic ability is outstanding for a guy his size. Agreed. And they don't make centers like that anymore. No, like you no. could get a guy like Tyler Linderbaum, who's an incredible athlete, a really good center in this draft. But I don't think you're ever going to get a guy like Jason Kelsey because they just don't in college and stuff. They don't let them play that position that he's, mm-hmm. he's smaller. They make you bulk up, you put on more weight and then you play there or you play guard. Like they just don't make them like that. It's anymore. only at those at the armed force, like army, Navy, air force, that that size mm-hmm. is going to play. On the well, yeah, where you're running center. like 40, 50 times and only throwing three or four times because yep. you need those athletes to get downfield and support your run game. But you just don't see that anymore. So, I mean, we he definitely will be missed. And shout out to Jeff Stoutland. I may I, I put that post up there by that was put up by Philadelphia Eagles media relations. Um, he's only the seventh. Uh, seventh uh, d- uh offensive line coach since uh, i think it was the 1980s where he's had a uh pro bowl uh pro bowler for nine straight years i think it was eight straight nine straight years i can't remember the fact right on but man jeff stoutland that is definitely a huge shout out to him and the work that he does because look what he's done with jordan mylotta Mm-hmm. Look what he's done with Landon Dickerson. He wasn't in the lineup, but look how quickly he's been able to work that rookie right into the left guard position. Look at the work he's done with like a Jack Driscoll, who's obviously injured and we miss him, but he's making Brandon Brooks be someone we can get rid of at the end of the year because we know we can ju- trust Driscoll, hopefully if he can stay healthy. Hey, his ability to Halapulivati Vitae, he got him paid like the – his ability to develop talent along that offensive line is humongous, huge, and cannot be understated. You know he is a crucial part of this run game getting going the way it's getting going. Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, getting him to come back and be, be the offensive line coach was probably Nick Sirianni's biggest move um, when putting the coaching staff together. So he deserves a ton of credit um, for getting him to to stay on and um to come back because again I, I think i said i've said it before if he would have retired or, or left and went back to alabama jason kelsey probably retires and doesn't come back now you might be able to get jason kelsey for another year or two um you know to come back and, and be the center on a, on a team that that's trending upwards like again the 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 over under for wins for the eagles this year was six and a half they're at seven we potentially could go to ten probably nine they could be nine and eight and potentially be a playoff team and like what what player is not going to want to come back and be a part of a team that has a quarterback in in Jalen Hurts and three first round picks while they might not use all three first round picks they're going to be able to build that defense and you have money and you and you have decent money up um to go out and get free agents to come here you know you go out and get a receiver whether that's Mike Williams Allen Robinson Devontae Adams, if you're able to make that happen, um, to to start or to start across from Devontae Smith, 
Like that, oh, to go with Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders, and this offensive line. Like the offense, which is pretty unstoppable right now, is a chance to take another step next year with a quarterback who works to fine-tune his, you know, passing abilities and upgrading the receiver position because, let's be real, they still have to upgrade the receiver position. And if you're able to do that, like, what what, what player's not going to want to come back? You know, while Kelsey made the the, uh, Pro Bowl team, Maialata potentially could have made it. Uh, Lane Johnson potentially could have made it. Um, And I think if he didn't miss those three games earlier in the year, he would have made it. Um, So, like, again, you you mentioned it. Um, Stoutland deserves a crap ton of credit for for the Eagles' offensive line and for bringing the the team together or and getting this running game going and Sirianni deserves credit after that uh, Raiders game which maybe he wanted to do it in the Raiders game but Sanders got hurt but after that Raiders game he turned the offense around he said all right we're gonna focus on running the football and they did that and the Eagles have been unstoppable ever since besides the Giants game obviously but yeah they still ran for 200 yards yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so many positives. And like you said, who wouldn't want to come here, especially if you can actually leverage those three first and say, we got our cornerback of the future. We got a defensive end of the future. We got another, we got a linebacker who's going to be lead the middle of our group or, or we got a center of the future. I know Jason Kelsey's a man and we, we, it's so hard to replace him, but we got this guy. Like, if you can turn those three, I bet we've been telling it since the beginning of the season. If you can use those three first, it's far more important to to be able to put your faith in Jalen Hurts and use those three first than it is to trade them all for a quarterback and kind of start it over. Million dollars to exactly. So and then Hertz you're going to make less than into, <laughs> Yeah, you're cutting into your money. You're cutting into your draft capital. You're cut. There's so much you're cutting into. And it's it's a good class. There's 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 needs we have that can be addressed early in this class or in the first round. And then we don't have to worry about them for a couple more years. We hope like if you can get a CB2 that can become the CB1 when Darius Slay moves on. If you can get that linebacker who can kind of control that middle of the field for the next five, four years, probably five years when you exercise the option. Um how important how we've talked about the need of center for the last two straight seasons because you never know when Kelsey's going to know that you have that center for the next four to five years because Landon Dickerson was supposed to be the guy but he's doing so good at left guard that left side of the line is locked and loaded for the next four years why would you want to disrupt that why not go back to the well and grab a guy like Tyler Linderbaum like there's so much like there's so much more value in using those three firsts, I think, than trading for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, eating their cap, paying that cap, and then having no draft first round draft capital use. Yeah, definitely. Um, so before we before we move on, I wanted to kind of get your 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 take on a couple of things that happened during the game. Uh, Darius Slay on offense. Um, Miles Sanders was able to to get hit off a, a good what ten to fifteen yard run um, when Slay was on offense um, because the Washington football team had to account for him because we know the the playmaking ability that Slay has with the ball in his hands. Uh, what were your thoughts on that and the potential of Slay being featured a little bit more in the offense going forward? I think if you don't use it a ton, it works. It can be effective. 
I think it was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like you know, the fact that that like it almost looked like there was a couple Washington guys accounting for Darius Slay and what he might do. Um, so I mean, it's unique. It's different. It's the, the approach that you want to take uh, is making sure that people are counting for people and that they know you will do anything. You'll throw anything at the wall and see what sticks. And that's something that sticks. So it might be something to definitely consider going forward. And this gets talked about a lot because it's Philly. Jalen Reger getting booed before he even did anything, just stepping mm-hmm. on the field um, to, to get to, for, for a punt return. Um, obviously earlier in the game when the Eagles were down 10, nothing, the fans booed and they were, and that was rightful. You know, the team's playing like crap against the, an inferior opponent. They deserve to get booed. Um, but did Rager deserve to get booed before even doing anything? And then he went out and had his best game probably of his career. To me, Jalen Rager has been through a lot. And I know that we continue to say that, but you know, losing a childhood best friend, he's clearly trying to play through this season and maybe he'll deal with things at the end of the season because he's he didn't take the time for himself. He didn't step away from football. He basically said, I'm here to play football. This is how I keep my mind off things. This is I got to play. I got to play what I love. This is my job. Um, And, you know, he is flashed. So. Is he ever going to live up to the first round draft potential, especially when you are talking about him behind Justin Jefferson or being drafted ahead of Justin Jefferson? No, we get that. We understand that. The quicker you accept that and stop pulling up the Justin Jefferson comparables, the quicker you will accept it and move on from it as well and accept that maybe he could be just a good viable slot option, third wide receiver. It's not what we drafted him for. I get it. It's really hard to accept that. And I understand, especially in this fan base, it's even harder to accept. But, I mean, you got to give you gotta give a guy the chance to find a way to fit into this offense and to fit into this city and just play the game that he loves and, and just try and, and execute. Like, if he's executing three catches for 50, what was it, 59 yards like that with a 19.3, uh, 19.3 average or 19 average per touch, that's good. That's something we can live with. No, it's not Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Drew. None, it's none of those guys. I understand that that we potentially could have had, but it, it. I feel like it's something we just have to accept. The comparing him to Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson's being compared to way bigger names now. We're just living way too far in the past trying to compare and 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 live out this dream that we could have had this guy. You, there's no point in doing it. Let the guy carve out his role. Let's figure it out. And at the end of the day, I think he can carve out a nice role and he can do some nice things if he can catch a football and make stuff happen after the play like we saw this past week. But Miles Sanders and Jalen Reggard should know if you're playing bad, if people don't like you, you're going to get booed. So Mm -hmm. just move on, play your game, play your style, let your play do the talking. Don't address the fans because so many have tried to in the past. And there is one simple thing you need to know. It does not work. <laughs> That's very true. It does not work. Um, yeah. So we'll see uh, how, if, if Rager can build off of the game uh, last week against Washington going into the Giants. And, you know, he had two big, two big drops against the Giants at the Meadowlands. Uh, was it three weeks ago? So, We'll see if he's able to atone for that this week, if given the opportunity. Um, so uh, 
I wanted to move forward and talk about Nick, uh, the COVID issues within the Eagles. Nick Sirianni tested positive on Wednesday, um, so he's he's you know hunkered up in a bunkered up in a in a hotel room, hoping that he can coach Sunday. Um, Ryan Kerrigan tested positive. He's unvaccinated, so he's out ten days. Um, the other um, Andre Dillard still out as far as we know. Uh, Landon Dickerson still out. Obviously, there's a couple of days before the game Sunday, so the so the Eagles could hopefully potentially get Dickerson back. Um, but what were your thoughts on, on hearing Sirianni testing positive for COVID? And it stinks too because it's it's Christmas, so he's not going to be able to spend time with his family, and then he may potentially he may not even be able to coach um, the game the big game against the Giants on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame, man. It, it sucks. And it's tough to say, you know, was it the fact that they played the Washington football team that, that it happened or did it happen before then? And I mean, you just never know with COVID now and it's just running wild and and you can see it because, I mean, look, Tyree Kills there, Travis Kelsey's there. Like, there's some big names. There's Don't a lot of people. Don't remind me about Tyree Kill. I need him for <laughs> fantasy this week. I'm in the semifinals. <laughs> yeah, same with me. So, um, but you you know that, like, it it's there. It's with us despite what the NFL is trying to do with changing uh, with changing how they test and stuff it's still there it's still going to exist and I think the rules are stupid trying to trying to make sure the games get played versus worrying about player and personal safety is just a, a clear pro- profit over player profit over player and personal safety by a landslide um, compared to what you see with the NHL and and I mean the NBA they have a good they, they have the right approached her as well like we gotta learn to live with it we're not gonna postpone games we're gonna keep playing through as much as we can and it's on the teams to figure out how to fill the voids that players leave when they have to enter the team the uh, league protocols that's just part of the business and the nfl just needs to get strict protocols in place that they can stick to and that they can live by and and roll with it instead of continuing to change things to ensure that the games happen which is basically what they've done um but it's here. We have to learn to live with it. And teams are going to have to learn to live with it as well. But when the rules are strict and in play and enforced, like we're seeing in the NBA, there's not a ton of backlash from the players. There's not a ton of backlash from fans or or the media about it. But in the NFL, there is because they're not st- Sticking to their protocols, they're not sticking to what they were speaking truly to. So we'll see how things go. Um, but it is a shame for Sirianni. Hopefully, we can get Dickerson back. But the offensive line looked really good, nonetheless. Um, but obviously, when you run the football a ton, the running game kind of helps high mask some of the issues that the passing game does not when you have to pass protect. So anyone can look good in a running game. It's how you look in the passing game. But this could be another one of those games where you don't even have to pass the football a lot as long as we can get ahead early and not have what happened uh, three weeks ago happen against the Giants. Yeah, and who would have thought that for after the way the season started with, with Sir- and how Sirianni was talked about potentially only be, being a one-and-done coach, that, like – I'm be worried that he's not there to coach on Sunday. Um, like Kevin Petula would would take over head coaching duties, and uh, Shane Steichen would call plays, and Gannon would handle the defense um, and whatnot. But I, like when it comes down to to challenges and play calling and fourth down, you know w- w- when to go for it on fourth down, 
I'd be a little bit worried that that uh, Sirianni's not there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you you do probably have some guys up in the box who they deal with the analytics and stuff, and they're the ones who ultimately, you know, say this is what you should do, and then it's up to Sirianni what he wants to do. So you you do lose that, you know, that guy who he's paid to do this. We we put him in this position for a reason. So I agree with that. That kind of sucks. You're probably just gonna roll with whatever the analytics guys say, but. If you're going to miss a game, I feel like missing a Giants game is a really good game to miss. A Giants game, the Jets, you know, one of those matchups where you feel comfortable that, you know, hopefully your team can take control of this game early and often. And we don't have to worry or think about who's calling the plays or making the decisions from an analytics perspective. Um so that's what I'm hoping for. Um, obviously, it, it's tough to say if that's going to happen. But I agree with you. You were one of those guys who was ready to kind of one and done the guy. And I was the one st- sitting here trying to be, you know, play the devil's advocate and say, maybe we should wait things out and see things out because everyone was so ready to give up on him. It was like week four, week five. It was so early. The guy barely had time to implement his scheme. And now we see as soon as it was like week eight, week nine, and the scheme was really coming into play. And, and Sirianni was really starting to coach the way he wanted to coach. And, and he would maybe was putting the things by putting the media behind him. He made the flower comment. We've been well above 500 since the flower comment. I saw someone tweet that. So maybe he just needed to really get comfortable and people really needed to, needed to give him the proper time. So I'm glad that he's living up to it and people have moved on to Gannon now, who probably deserves the rest of the year and next year as well. But we we obviously need to find someone on the coaching staff to constantly throw some shade and blame on. We just wouldn't be the Philadelphia Eagles fan base without it. Yeah, we definitely would not be. So we'll see how how things go this weekend um, if Sirianni is not able to, to coach. Um, and, and I know you said it's, if there's any game, it's a, we did lose to the Giants three weeks ago. Well, we shouldn't have lost to the Giants. We did. So we'll see uh, what happens going forward. All right. So before we get to, to the Eagles-Giants you know, preview and, and our prediction, let's go to the unheralded player of the week for last week in the National Football League. Um, I'm I'll go first if you don't mind. I'm gonna go. Go ahead with Craig Reynolds from the Detroit Lions. 26 carries and 112 yards. Uh, DeAndre Swift not playing. Jamal Williams not playing. And the Lions were able to defeat the who were the number one seed at the time, Arizona Cardinals, 30 to 12. Craig Reynolds actually played against my alma mater. He went to Kutztown University, a D2 school in PA. Um, so he played against my alma mater a few times. Um, so it's good to see. You know, players from smaller schools getting that opportunity in the NFL. And Craig Reynolds uh, had, a, had, had a, a great game last week. Um, and he was signed on to their to their active roster this week. So he deserves a lot of credit for, for the work that he's put in. And he gets my unheralded player of the week. Definitely. It was a week of really showing the true colors of the running back position, it felt like. You had Duke Johnson with the big game. You had Craig Reynolds with the big game. You had big games from these guys. Like Duke Johnson, everybody thought his career was over. And then, boom, he comes back to Miami and has that massive game. And Craig Reynolds had his massive game in uh, in place of Williams and Swift. So it's really showing, like, maybe that second contract for running backs, maybe, maybe teams are going to have a little bit of leverage over that and say, I can get someone who can do what you can do for cheaper. 
and, and so why would I give you more money? Yeah, not drafting him that yes, that too, that too, definitely. <laughs> like the first round running back is probably gonna almost become extinct here soon. Each year feels like they go further and further back. Like look at Najee Harris, like people calling him a generational talent, this amazing running back. And even he dropped way back into the first round. So that could be uh, coming to its end as well. But I don't got a running back this week. I got Gabriel Davis from the Buffalo Bills. Um, third straight week with a touchdown. Um, he went off for on seven targets, five receptions, 85 yards, two touchdowns. Um he had a pretty good rookie season in Buffalo, and then they brought in um, Emmanuel Sanders, who kind of took away the big play ability that Gabriel Davis had last year because he had a really a fairly high average depth of tar- target in yards per reception. Now Sanders didn't get the chance to play, and Gabriel Davis is starting to recarve out his role. Um, unfortunately, I see here he was placed on the COVID list um, yep. an hour ago, so that kind of sucks for the Bills this week against the Patriots. You and could he's, use and all he's the receivers possible. And, and he's unvaccinated, just like Cole Beasley, so they're out. Even worse, so that you, you're there with Davis and Beasley for ten, at a minimum 10 days. They could even be without them next I had week. Davis on my fantasy team, too, and I was looking forward to starting them this week. <laughs> yeah, he he's proven a really viable, you know, uh, red zone weapon, big play weapon, 6'2", 210 pounds. He's a big boy, and, and he he's playing really well. He's showing that if you have some of the intangibles to pair with the, your, uh, your size and your contested catchability, you can be a really key asset, unlike, you know, what we're suffering through with J-Jaw. If you draft the right guy, you can get the type of production like Gabriel Davis. So he's my unheralded player because I think he's going to grow into a bigger role next year. And after next year, I think Cole Beasy's a free agent. So he may be able to even move up to that second wide receiver role behind Stefan Diggs here in the future. Yeah. And again, like I said, I, I had big plans for Gabriel Davis this week, but that's a good one. So Gabriel Davis and Craig Reynolds are our unheralded players of the week. Now we are in week 16 of the National Football League as the Philadelphia Eagles get set to host the New York Giants and an Eagles win gets them to eight and seven and would make them winners of five of their last six games. Connor, let's give us a preview of your piece that's going to come out on the Fight Philly Fight Network this week and uh, how you think this game has a chance to play out. I want to say I feel like, you know, it's a game against the Giants. Last time they played, they had Daniel Jones and stuff. So I want to say, you know, Jake Fromm started, and this is a big difference. Like, we should be able to beat them. But I never want to outright say we we will beat anybody because the Philadelphia Eagles have proven, you know, that's not necessarily true. Um, But, I mean, this should be a game that we can get. I was looking at the Giants and their IR with when you remove covid players from the ir and it's just ir players injured players they have 21 players on ir for injury related reasons like this team has been mangled to its core by injuries i mean you know kenny galladay's there but he's missed time too saquon barkley's there he's missed time as well and is an injury waiting to happen Kadarius tony's gonna play this week but he's had his fair share of injuries as well uh, Sterling Shepard towards Achilles last week like man this is a team that had some aspirations when they signed Kenny Galladay and they expected some big things from Daniel Jones to take that step forward and literally everything went the wrong way everything's going downhill in a hurry and now they're going to be new manager potentially a new coach 
so this is a team like you got to take advantage of this. Like this team has to be packing it in slowly but surely, week in and week out, packing things in because they have no chance. Go for the higher draft pick. I mean, at this point, what well, what are you playing for? And you look and at them. And they have two first round picks. Hey, exactly. You got two first round picks. So why not take advantage the most you can? They've lost three in a row. They've only been able. They scored six points last week. Nine points two weeks, three weeks ago, 21. They beat us on 13 points. They only put up 10 against Tampa Bay. This is a team that can barely score, man. Their points per game is at 17 points per game. And now you're rolling out Jake Fromm in his first career start. And you're playing on the road at the link. And you heard how loud the link was in that Washington game at times. Mm-hmm. They make things very hard on opposing quarterbacks. And in your first career start, they're going to make things even worse on Jake Fromm. So, I mean, to me, it just feels like a game that we should have in hand by halftime. Should. Should. Want to. Need to. But you just never know with Philadelphia. But, I mean, after the way, you know, things started slow, but we were off for 16 straight days against Washington. We did have that extended leave. So, you know, it was kind of like a little, you know, coming back that first quarter. And then things started to really click. Hopefully things will work the same way. On the Philadelphia side of the ball, I feel like a broken record saying this. But, man, that front four has got to get some pressure, man. They got to show something. Uh, Like, not just one guy. Three of them, four of them. They need to, as a unit, show us something, prove something to us. Joshua just got paid. He can't. He he's producing a game worth talking about every five or six weeks. Fletcher Cox just produced a game worth talking about for the first time in almost two years. Javon Hargrave started out flying high, and he's kind of. He's still doing well. He's still creating pressure, but I think he's eating more double teams. He's being focused on more by offensive lines which is why you're being forced to turn to other guys. So, um, I mean, you know, this this is a game where you're probably going to see the run game again. Miles Sanders, a lot of Miles Sanders, a lot of Jordan Howard, a bit, a bit of Jalen Hurts mixed in there, and probably see over 175 yards rushing again and not a whole ton of passing because hopefully they won't have to go to the pass very much. But hopefully when they do get to go to the pass, hopefully we see more Devonta Smith. We see more positive steps by Jalen Reger. There's just a lot of things you want to look for in a in this type of matchup. The over-under is 40.5. It's actually the second lowest of the week. So Vegas is telling you something there. This is going to be a low-scoring, probably boring game, similar to the last game that we saw between these two teams. But we just want to see some more progression from some players, some steps forward, like from the guys I just said, Devonta Smith, the defensive line, more Jalen Hurts and progression there. You know, this is one of those games where you just you need to win it. You have to win it. It's a huge game to take you, put your playoff hopes and percent up percentage of getting in higher. And hopefully, just hopefully we see those things and we don't sit there chewing our nails and sitting on the edge of our seat and entering starting the fourth quarter like we did last the last time we played the Giants. Yeah, you can't lose to the Giants twice and think you're a playoff team. So they definitely have to come out and, and and play better than the last time. Um, hopefully we get to see a, a an improved and, and more healthy, which is going to be tough after five days, Jalen Hurts. Um, so so we'll see because he was limited at practice earlier this um, – I think yesterday he was limited at practice. Um, 
So hopefully we he doesn't have an issue going into Sunday's game. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, don't let keep don't let allow the Giants to think that they have a chance to win this game. Also, the, the, did you hear Joe Judge at, at their practice the other day was playing the Eagles fight song, had a bunch of like Will Smith song, Meek Mill songs to play during their practice to get them ready to come to Philly. He is. He, he should not be a head coach in the NFL. It, it's kind of like the teams, like a couple weeks ago when the Raiders played the Chiefs, they went out, met on the logo, and walked away. It's Titans just not. It's just Pittsburgh last yeah. Week. It's just not smart. You know, it's better if you want to do it, do it in the locker room, keep it out of the public eye, because it just seems to come back to bite these teams really hard. It just well, doesn't well, seem Joe smart. Judge was doing it just to get the. the to, to get the, the atmosphere the of yeah, Philadelphia. The atmosphere of Philadelphia. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I that's can not see the it. same. That's not the same as jumping on. Like if they come in on Sunday and and before they go into the locker room at the beginning of the game and, and jump on the Eagle logo, then we're gonna have problems. <laughs> then then if you don't beat them by three or four scores, like make them mercy by halftime, we really have a problem. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, but kind of piggybacking off of, of off of what you said, yeah, the front four is gonna have to dominate. Um. For the, for the defense, like don't let Jake Fromm. Gad, and and you mentioned how like this Giants team is only averaging about 17 points a game. They shouldn't they shouldn't be able to score on you. That's where Jonathan Gannon worries me because now he's gonna probably just want to sit back, don't get beat over the top, let everything like tackle what's in front of you. And by you, you can be nickeled and dimed down the field multiple times, and that means your offense doesn't get the ball as much. So so hopefully Jonathan Gannon brings more pressure, gets after Jake Fromm. Uh, we get to see uh, Jake Fromm versus Jalen Hurts, um, a rematch of the national championship game in 2018, I think. I might be off 2017, 2018, um, where Alabama, uh, Alabama won when Tua Tungo entered in the second half and his game-winning touchdown pass in overtime was to who, Connor? Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith, yes, sir. The yeah, one and the only. Yeah, that was that, and that was his his true freshman, Devontae Smith's true freshman year, and that that was just an an awesome moment for for that for Tua and 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 Devontae. All right, so what's your score for the game, Connor? Man, I, I this is something that feels good this week, and I've been hitting pretty close on some of these predictions, so I'm gonna keep riding high. Vegas has. Pretty much get, or is pretty much implying the Giants very little chance if they're giving a plus ten to Philadelphia like that. That's rare. I think it's probably the first time in a while that we've been favored by double digits. Um, I mean, maybe we got the Jets and stuff, but I, I didn't think about that matchup where we probably were favored by double digits. But this is a time where I feel good about actually being favored in that way. Um, I am going to go Philadelphia and I am going to go by, by multiple scores in this one. I think we're going to end up 30 to 17 Philadelphia. And I, I feel like it's a stretch to give the Giants 17 points. Not against, not when Jonathan Gannon's gone in defense, but I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here. I think the Eagles are going to win, but I'm, I'm struggling between, is it going to be a 30 and 17 type? Game yeah, it's, it's like, a, are they going to take la- that last embarrassing effort and take it to heart? 
or are they just going to come in, underestimate the Giants again, and give us a, 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 you know, one that gets your heart pumping and you lose five years on your life? One of those Eagles oh, that's, games. That's just going to happen because it's, <laughs> it's the Eagles. Like we're going to sit here going into the going into the second half, figuring out, trying to figure out what the hell is going on. It's going to be probably like a 13-10 type of game at the half, and then the Eagles potentially could run away with it in the second half. Uh, my final score is going to be. 20 to 10 Eagles. It's going to be an ugly game. It's going to be an ugly game. Um, well, you Eagles, wouldn't you wouldn't be incorrect in that assumption because uh, I went with well over the over and you went with the, uh, the under. So obviously it can really go either direction. It depends on, you know, if the Eagles come out, put up some points and, and take the proper steps forward that they need to take forward and show us, you know, if you're show us you're, you want to make the playoffs. You're mm-hmm. a real playoff team. You deserve mm-hmm. to be there mm-hmm. and actually make it happen. Because like if you go into this game again and it's a one-score game against the New York Giants and you're, you're barely able to muster 20, then you're just dragging us to the playoffs to get destroyed on wildcard weekend. And that's not what I want to see. Yeah, I mean, the, it's almost to the point where if the Eagles do make the playoffs, they're going to be going up against Tampa or Green Bay probably. Um, and... <laughs> I don't I don't know how that how that that's gonna fare all well, but like getting to the playoffs is key for this team because it gets Jalen Hurts experience, it gets Nick Sirianni experience. So that's kind of kind of where we're going at. But again, we don't want to look too too far ahead. Um week sixteen, get let's get to eight and seven before we talk about a potential first round playoff matchup um in the NFC. For sure. But I mean, before you do the uh, outro, just let me uh, shout out happy holidays to everybody. Yes, happy holidays. Um, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, whatever you guys celebrate. Uh, coming from us at the Kelly Green Hour, we love and appreciate all of you who listen, rate, review, follow us, uh, you know, mm-hmm. j- just whatever you can do to show your support, especially this time of year. We love it. Um, our following on Twitter has been growing very well, so hopefully we can continue to give you great podcasts that you guys really enjoy into the new year. And uh, we'll make some plans for the new year and hopefully plan for some more growth, some more opportunities, and bring you some more excitement with the Kelly Green Hour. So definitely happy holidays to everybody. Make sure you check out the Fight Philly Fight Network at FPF. Uh, network on twitter fightphillyfightnetwork.com for all the written content also their podcast tom's podcast and our podcast of course mm-hmm. and um also i mean give yourself the gift of uh, 125 percent sign-in bonus at betus.com um just go um put put a few put a few bucks in there and uh, get a few bucks back and go have some fun that's uh, at betus.com fpf network is the code Yes, sir. And as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. And follow me on Twitter at LJHurrell54. And as Connor said, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all of our uh, listeners. And Connor, Merry Christmas to you and your family and your son. And I hope you uh, have a great time. Now that your son is old enough, more older. A bit more understanding. A bit more understanding than he was last year at at this time. (laughs) Absolutely. To you and yours as well. Thank you, sir. So thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Fly, Eagles, fly.